Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach Tip of the Day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Uh, we're going to move from Connecticut down to Dallas, Texas. My next guest uh, is Claire Billingsley from the Billingsley Consulting Group in Dallas, Texas. And we're going to talk about using improvisational comedy techniques to improve communication in business and organizations. We talk about communications all the time and how you need to lighten up and get people happy. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Claire, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Bill. How are you today? Oh my gosh, so excited to be here. I hear a little bit of laughter in your voice already, so I know this is going to be a fun <laughs> interview. So tell me, how, how did you get started with the Billingsley Consulting Group? Well, about four years ago, I was in an organization. I was the vice president of franchise sales and operations for a company called Tony and Guy Hairdressing Academy, and they ended up moving their corporate headquarters out to Malibu, California, and that moved to me with all of the movement from California to Texas didn't make any sense to me. And so rather than pick up and move out there, I tried to commute back and forth for a while. And, you know, you just start losing a lot of connectivity, you know, the, the discussions around the coffee maker, the, the water cooler, if you will. And so I just decided to exit stage right and to open up my own business. And that's when Billingsley Consulting was born. Well, it's better to exit on your own terms and they get the hook and pull you off stage, right? So, yeah. So. The gong. <laughs> the gong. So, so now, so your platform, if you will, is that storytelling is so important today and being able to lighten things up in the corporate environment helps everybody feel better about about things. So Absolutely. how does your how does your coaching help in the storytelling process? Telling process is an art and you know when you think about it our forefathers and foremothers were really good at storytelling in fact that was the way that they were able to instill values and and the culture of the the tribe or the the city or the group that they were in and storytelling has a strong focus on people what people want to hear and then they share that information with people. So it's shifting the view from the traditional ways of corporate messaging to a connected content strategy where people are the key element. And when you do that, the message is much more memorable. It's, it's understood by every single one of the learning styles. It's, it's visual. It's kinesthetic because, you know, you get your emotions involved with it. It's auditory so you can listen to it. And so um, when your brain is connected more emotionally to the message, you remember the information much more clearly. And um, I don't know if you've read Simon Sinek, and he talks about buying via emotion and not via facts. And so the old way of marketing fact dumps. It's like, yes, yes, this yes. is our benefit, this is our benefit, this is our benefit. But it's like, well, what's in it for me? I've heard from psychologists, uh, we've had many on the show, and we've heard many times that the words 
story came from the fact that that's how our our brain really stores information. Is that it came from, like you said, tribal days where you told a story about how there's a dinosaur out there and he's bad, he's going to eat you. You know, you, you're telling a story, so it stores <laughs> in your in the early brain information. And and not too far from the word store is the word bore. What makes a good story versus a boring kind of a tirade? Well, it's it's not just about the language. It's about telling and creating stories in a really compelling way. It's about finding the right metaphors. You know, and if you think about it, we learn in metaphors and we learn in pictures. You know, when you say the word orange, for example, you don't see O-R-A-N-G in your brain, right? Right. You think the the fruit or the fruit, maybe yeah. even the color. But, you know, that's how, that's how we, we remember things. And so... The storyteller recreates a part of the life to the reader or the viewer and generates a story that's easily remembered. And when you're talking about branding with an organization, it's unique to that particular brand. Mm-hmm. And so um, this is just a little bit different way of thinking about things. And it, I think um, storytelling is becoming an increasingly important skill for businesses. Yeah, but that doesn't make uh, a business leaders and people that need to communicate good storytellers. So that's where, that's, <laughs> right. right? Necessarily. Uh, so that's where you right. come in to help them understand, hey, you know, there are certain building blocks for telling a good story. Uh, what are some of those building blocks? Yes, in a good story, there's always a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. But there's also something that is, is a hook to get your interest. And so sometimes that creative part of our brain gets closed off when we're staying in our head too much. And, and that's what I find when I work with CEOs is that they are so used to being at this top-line linear thinking place that they've kind of forgotten how to get back into their heart. And when the he- the head has the words, but your heart doesn't, but your heart is where all the creativity flows from. And so it's like you were talking about earlier with the psychologist that you've, you've interviewed. It's, it's that limbic system that has no linguistics attached to it. And so that's when you say, you know, I love you. It's never enough to describe how your heart feels. Your heart just might be like exploding inside and all you got these three words that say I love you and they just don't describe everything that you're feeling. And so in my coaching, what I do is I help people become much more creative in their thought processes by tapping into their hearts in a playful way to elevate their energy and allow creativity to flow. And it is with complete acceptance, meaning that there's none of that. We we teach to get um, out of the denial thing or the judgment thing before your ideas have even come across the page. In improv, this is one of the techniques that I pull from my improvisational comedy, is that we are never allowed to say no. It's always all about yes and, and moving the scene forward, or in an organization, moving the conversation forward. And so I work with people in using stories that are creatively um, developed through linguistics, by mood and emotion, and when storytelling as a public speaker, their body language. So they're basically painting a memory, not just a picture. So good stories compel people to actually change when you're using it in a marketing strategy. And it really is very strategic. You have to think about it. It doesn't just spew out of your mouth. You know, you really have to think about what it is that you want to convey, 
who is your target audience, who is going to relate to the words that you're using. So I'm sure the psychologists that you've talked to are are very in tune with with all of the things that the components that the CEOs kind of need to use to make things be compelling to whoever their target audience is. Now, a lot of people, when they when they're going to get up and address a group and talk about you know communicating with either with their employees or or even on a stage, they're really afraid to risk comedy. Maybe they maybe they've tried it before and things <laughs> didn't go well. Let's just say. Yeah. So, why do why are people so reluctant to risk comedy? What what is baked into us that makes people reluctant? Is it is it fear of failure? Oh yeah, heck yeah. Um, because we don't, nobody wants to look silly or foolish, you know, especially somebody that's worked so hard to grow up in the organizational chart, and now they're the CEO of this major corporation, and they want people to take them seriously. I mean, that's part of, of what's driven them to be um, the best of the best, is that they, you know, they, they don't like to waste money, they don't like to waste time, they talk in bullet points, and sometimes when it's really extreme, it's my way or hit the highway. So what we coach people around in that scenario is that, yes, this is how you're wired. This is how you think. However, there's three other personalities, actually four other personalities that you get to lead in your organization. And and a leader is different than a manager. A leader is going to motivate people to follow. Um, A manager is just going to kind of take a look at some, you know, charts and documents and and mark a few things and say, okay, yeah, that looks good. Let's let's go on. And so it's leadership around people and management around paper. I like that. So I'm picturing like one of those uh, surveys that people take to find out where their personality lies and the four quadrants in the circle. And what you're saying is the leader needs to find their way to the center of that circle. Absolutely. And, you know, what's kind of funny is that sometimes people don't even realize, you know, what personality they are. They have no idea how they're showing up every day, and they have no idea how others perceive them. They just think everyone thinks exactly the same way they do. And so when we open up that idea that people are, are wired differently, it's sometimes they're dumbfounded. Really? They don't look at it? No. They, have, they could care less about this, but they really care about time off. You know, they, they could care less about a mm-hmm. bonus, but they really want to spend more time on the soccer field with their kids. Yeah, absolutely. I just came from a workshop uh, in Denver yesterday, and a lot of younger yep. people, they want to do significant work that's meaningful to them, and they want to be part of the team. And I think one of the things that you said was very valuable was for a leader, just because you perceive yourself a certain way, you've got to remember you're talking to four different types of personality groups, and you need to have mass appeal as a CEO or leader. And in addition to that, Bill, you also need to remember there's four generations in the workplace. And each generation is motivated by something differently as well. I know our target audience is the baby boober business owners, but there's boomers, there's Generation X, there's Generation Y, and then there's also millennials out there. And they are motivated by different things as well. And so it's not easy being a leader. I mean, you just can't call it in. You have to really be thinking about it, and you have to be willing to change because, as you know from all of the people that you're interviewing, the market is changing very rapidly. Technology has changed the way we do business. It's the way it's changed the way we communicate. But people are really hungry for that person-to-person interaction and feeling like they're part of something bigger than just themselves. Technology has kind of isolated us, and being a good storyteller kind of brings people back together. 
So for the person out there, Claire, who might say, okay, that's all great. Maybe I'll try some comedy uh, in my next discussion, or maybe I'll try, you know, throw something in there. What would be a good first step for someone who's not, you know, who's a little bit tight <laughs> out there? Who I would wants tell to them kind to take a class. <laughs> take I, a class. I would not. Yeah, don't don't try to do this on your own. You know, do not try this at home, like they say on TV. Um, you you really need to have some guidance. Even though I do improvisational comedy, which is different than uh, um, stand up, and it's different than sitcom. Um, stand up is rehearsed. It's you know, like Jerry Seinfeld. He looks at himself in the mirror. He he thinks about all the different facial expressions and how he's going to react if somebody reacts some way in the audience. And then a sitcom is written, and so it's got a script, and they follow it, and it's up to the writers to make the funny. Well, in improv we get suggestions from the audience and we make it up on the spot. And so we have no script. We're basically writing the script line by line by line, performer by performer by performer. But we do have basically 10 rules that we follow that allows us to have some structure. And when I tell people we have structure, they're kind of, they look at me like a deer in the headlights. Like you have structure, but I thought you just made it up. But it's all about, you know, making sure that there's principles that we all follow to make sure we're keeping the scene on track. And if we wanted to relate that to business, for the, our business leaders, this might be identified as your guiding principles or your mission and value statement. They're, you know, maybe possibly combined with your employee handbook. And so when everyone understands the rules of engagement and the expectations of the group as a whole, every decision that's made from that point forward always points back to those basics. So it's all about, like, yes ending. Um, we never say no. It's about give and take. Not everybody can talk all the time. Sometimes you have to listen, watch, and concentrate, even if you're not on stage, so you can add when it's appropriate and when it makes something move forward if something is, has been left off. Because, again, we are telling a story. We've got to have the beginning, the middle, and end. We have to develop characters, and we also have to get some kind of uh, either conflict or um, something that is, is interesting to watch that's not a fight because you can do that at home. But, I mean, you know, we have to do all of that in, within four minutes. And so what I would recommend is take an improv class. If nothing else, it's going to help you think faster on your feet. It's going to help you be able to see a lot of different things in a very short amount of time because um, it helps with brainstorming. One of the things that we teach our new improvisers is to take a suggestion and think about 10 different ways that you could use that word. Like, for example, turtle. You know, I mean, the, and the first three things that people will usually say is shell, green, water. Well, we can all think of those things. So improvisers are taught to think about, you know, 10 and use from 7 to 10 those ideas that come into your head. Those are the things that you'll go from seeing to make the, the audience think a little bit. And when, we, when I teach brainstorming, we use that technique to get through what everybody else can think of and start thinking about an idea that perhaps their competition couldn't think of because they stopped their brainstorming session before their creativity really kicked in. That's fascinating. That's a really good good tip and good idea. So go beyond what the, the, the easy ones, everybody can think of those. It's what you go beyond there. And, uh, and you know, when in doubt, stay away from anything with the word Nantucket in it, probably. <laughs> Uh, when, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, you don't now, want to I've, rhyme. Heard, <laughs> I've heard uh, 
self-deprecating humor can be a good place to go if you keep if you want to humanize yourself. Can you comment on yeah. that a little bit? Yeah, you um you can make fun of yourself all day long, but um, you never want to make fun of anyone else because it makes people it'll make people laugh, but it's an uncomfortable laugh. I also do not believe in going blue. Um, going blue means that you um, use the word that can rhyme with Nantucket, and <laughs> they they really don't add a lot to the conversation or to the the information that you're sharing. People will laugh, but a lot of times it's just like, you know, kind of a courtesy laugh, and it's to, you know, almost, I'm sorry, I'm sorry you had to go there kind of laugh, because humor is, is actually a very smart activity, and the cleaner the comedy is, the smarter the, the humor is, where the audience can take it wherever they want, but if you use a double entendre, it still can be clean for a seven-year-old that might be in the audience. It's a really good tip, of course. And you have a book out called Circle Up. Uh, before I get to that, I, I want to spend, if, yeah. we don't have much time, but tell us about your, you're a certified laughter yoga leader. Laughter yoga sounds like a lot of fun. What is it all about? <laughs> it's self-induced laughter that was invented in 1995 by Dr. Madan Kataria, and he's a medical doctor in India who realized that when his patients watched funny movies, their blood pressure went down. And so he started by founding a laughter club um, where he had his friends just kind of join him on the beach, and they told jokes for a little while just to kind of laugh and stuff like that. But in a couple of weeks, they found out that they ran out of jokes, and it was starting to fall flat. And so he says, give me, give me one night, let me do some research. And he reviewed his research and figured out the answer he was looking for is that our body can't differentiate between active and genuine laughter. Both produce the same happy chemistry. And so the next morning he explained this to his group and asked them to try to act out laughter with him for one minute. And amid their skepticism, they agreed to try and the results were amazing. It's an easy and fun exercise for health and happiness. It reduces your stress instantly. I mean, just think about when you laugh, how much better you feel. It strengthens your immune system. It releases endorphins. You can actually, in, the, in one minute of laughter yoga, it's the same endorphin release as 10 minutes on an exercise bike. And so I can use this with um, elder care patients that are sitting down. They can't stand up, but they can laugh. And they can have that same runner's high as somebody who might be on a treadmill. That's fantastic. I, I love that. You know, and if you, so if you want to make somebody feel better, make them laugh or, or help them yeah. to laugh. Uh, that's a fantastic idea. Your book is called Circle Up. It's on Amazon. But you're saying if people contact you directly via email, you'll sign it and send it to them. And you Absolutely. might... Absolutely. Give them something to smile about right there. Uh, how do they get in touch with you, Claire? <laughs> um, my website is Billingsley, B-I-L-L-I-N-G-S-L-E-Y, consultinggroup.com. And they can also email me at Claire, C-L-A-I-R-E, at billingsleyconsultinggroup.com. Now, you're also a Vistage speaker, so you go and speak with CEO groups and other different groups about how to use laughter and how to, how to create better communications uh, how to create better stories, that type of thing? I do. Love it. And it's amazing. It is so amazing to watch the transformation in a short amount of time. Sounds like it'd be a lot of fun and a, a great a great way to learn. Absolutely. Well, Claire, I really appreciate you coming on. It's been a lot of fun having you on the show. And again, um, I'm sure we can go deeper on these topics at another time down the road. But uh, I really want to uh, thank that. you and encourage our listeners to get your book, Circle Up, Go to your website at billingsleyconsultinggroup.com. Again, that'll be spelled out in our show notes. 
and also um, talk to you about uh, coming into the, your group. If you have a business owner group and you need a, uh, a speaker who's going to help people really feel good about themselves and be able to communicate better with their employees and their uh, other people around them, be a better speaker and storyteller, contact Claire Billingsley. Claire, thanks so much for joining us. I look forward to the next time we get to talk. My pleasure, Bill. Thank you. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back after this, so please stay with us. Does thinking about what will happen to your business if you're gone keep you awake at night? Will you get the price you need from your business to carry you through retirement? The BEI Network of Exit Planning Professionals is the world's leading advisor network with the power to help business owners transition out of business on their own timeline and terms. Ask your most trusted advisor to create a BEI plan for you or visit us at ExitPlanning.com. That's ExitPlanning.com. You're listening to ExitCoachRadio.com, the information station for age 50-plus business owners, where we're interviewing top advisors for their best tips, ideas, and precautions so you can be well-planned. We upload new one-minute tips every day. ExitCoachRadio.com. Come listen for a minute. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 